so I won't spend a lot of time because everybody knows what Big Picture Sunday is all about and how, how, how it works, right? And, and reason. The only thing I want to say is, that's, I think, worth mentioning again to the home crowd, so to speak, is that uh, just by way of reminder that I guess it's probably been about 10 years now that we, we took our constitution for this church and we, we, we made some major revisions to it. Dad remembers that. And there was a, there was a number of months of back and forth, he and I trading, uh, you know, editorial. And I think Larry had con some contributions with that and some other things. So if I'm not, he looks puzzled, maybe he didn't. But anyway, maybe it was Warner. I can't remember. It may have been, may have been Warner. May have been Warner. Wasn't it Warner? I think it was Warner that, that, that did that. Um, and, and, um, other leaders as well. Uh, anyway, point is that we, we there were some critical issues that were on our hearts that we want to be sure was put into the Constitution. In that process of revising our Constitution, we put we bound ourselves to this requirement, and we didn't set a date. We just simply said one Sunday a year we will take some time out to review where we've been as a ministry and where we believe the Lord is leading us. And, and it's just good to do that. It's, you know, Israel, there's a lot of examples in the Old Testament of them of setting up memorial stones, right? Just to remind you of what God has done. And, and these are good times. I don't know if you enjoy these or not. I, I, there's a little bit of work and, you know, involved in it. And so from that standpoint, you enjoy it a little bit. But it's always good to hear and be reminded, oh, yeah, that's right. Remember that. Oh, yeah, yeah. See where we've been and where the Lord's taking us, okay? So, um, that's why we do it. Is is it's, it was a little hard to fit this in. I know we had postponed Bible study and other things, and didn't really want to do all of that. But it is what it is, and, and here we are. So uh, first, Larry is going to talk to us this morning. Is uh, uh, first half is is just reviewing the ministry, the spiritual side of the ministry, if you will. Then tonight is is the, the physical side, the events and, and improvements to the grounds, uh, things that we've done on the calendar, finances is all that's tonight but this morning is the spiritual accomplishments ministerial accomplishments is what larry's going to cover the past year and then dad is going to come up after that and look at the ministerial outlook for 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 this year and beyond okay so larry Good morning. Looks like morning. We, have, we have our core group. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we have a core. It's always essential to have a core. That's right. That's right. right. I'm going to open this up and begin in a word of prayer. Father, thank you again for your love and for your patience with us. Thank you for using us in your ministry. Lord, I look around and I can see. What I see is many other people that is more qualified, but yet you have chosen to minister to us in this particular place at this particular time. And thank you for that. Help us to have a, an outreach in this community. Help us, help us to honor and to glorify our, our, our Heavenly Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. And everything that we think and we say and we attempt to do. And again, help us not to get complacent where we are or where we've been, but to always move forward 
and to reach out. Well, thank you so much uh, for it. Sure. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You're, you're right, Pete. I, I mean, I was thinking as you were mentioning, uh, looking back, this isn't in my notes, but, but Moses, at the end of his life, he spent uh, at least a chapter or two of, of reminding Israel of where they'd been in the wilderness, <laughs> where they had come from, and to the point where they should go, and that was to follow the Lord. And he spent he spent a lot of time in that. Other others in the Old Testament did as well at the end of their lives. They would always look back and remind the people, but it always went back to Egypt, it seems like. The beginning of the Exodus where God began to deliver his people. We're not at the end, by the way. <laughs> 2020. What a year. It began as normal, but quickly changed to anything but normal. We started planning our, our year as usual. And we started planning with a full calendar and adding to it as we went. We were, we were planning for Bible study uh, back in January. I mean, it, it got started, I think, probably earlier than that, but that's when the first planning meeting and things were. Uh, we were planning for a football fellowship. We were even starting to talk about a VBS back in January of uh, last year. All the normal things. Everything was going smoothly as we anticipated until March. And we began to hear about this virus that was happening overseas mostly. And then we began to hear one or two cases out in California, and it just it just uh, grew, and it, it quickly spread, and it was starting to kill people. In a short time, the way we would think, the way we would move about, our entertainment, our families would be asked not to group up, and even our worship would be challenged. Who would have ever thought? We talked about that many times, especially on the, in prayer meetings. We talked about who would have ever thought that the world, not just the United States, but the world would be changed. There was a limit on church attendance. It seemed our nation was divided and confused. As you remember, last year was an election year. It was as well... Uh, questions were going through our minds what was the truth being told about the virus or the election challenging times to say the least changes in our lives that will take years to get back to normal if they ever do I mean individually as we look back, I wanted us to look at uh, about four words that really, uh, really I, I started to look at. There's many, many more. Uh, the first one, and I think the, the biggest one was distractions. 
because this really this really distracted us to a point, even in the church, uh, for a time. Fear, unity, and hope and trust. First one is distraction. The world was and is distracted by what's going on, and that is the very easy to do, even for the church. But we can't let the world dictate the way that we minister or the way we worship or the way that we reach out. It wants to. Satan wants to. He wants to distract us. And that was, I think that was one of the biggest, biggest things that I seen was the distraction. Distraction from God is extremely dangerous. We believe God to be our authority, not what this world tells us. The world will send you into a direction that you don't want to go. The world will send you into sin, missing opportunities to minister, and missing God's blessing on your life. We as believers should not let the worries of this life distract us from the purpose we are here for, to share the good news, to encourage, to hold each other accountable, to pray, to fellowship, together and to bring honor to our Savior. And I, I think that fellowship together, and I'll, I'll probably mention this again, I think, is, is I've seen, I seen this year as, as one of the most, uh, it, re it really opened my eyes doing it uh, via Zoom versus uh I, I, there's there's nothing like it. I mean, it's it's even it's it's so distracting, not not being not being here. I I seen that person, and I don't get I don't get distracted very easy when I'm when I'm focused in on something like that. But it it was Romans twelve two. Don't copy the behavior. This is New Living Translation. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. This world is not to dictate the way that we think. God is. And that's why we read his word, to know to know what he thinks. That's right. Uh, so how do how do we reckon? How did we reconcile this distraction? And we're gonna we'll be looking at this. We kept meeting with the new guidelines. So we didn't we didn't let that distraction because they were basically shutting down churches. I mean and. Uh, We'll talk about that. The second one is fear. Uh, last year was a year of uncertainty. Where there is uncertainty, fear begins to creep in. As believers, we are to ha have a healthy fear of God. Proverbs 9.10 The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is inside. We are not to fear this world, but God. This world was sent into fear 
many churches, many churches still not meeting in person. Or with limited services, only having one service instead of the full services. Uh, Matthew 10, 28. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill the body. They cannot touch your soul. For only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Death, death is uh, death is what people are afraid of. That's what sent this whole world into fear was this this death thing. Death is not uh, death is not really our enemy because we have we have eternal life if you belong to Him. He overcame death. He overcame that enemy. Third one is is unity. Essential in the local church, especially during this past year. Uh, and I, I remember having a meeting in the back room, and we talked about it when all this first broke out. Do we obey the authorities of the land, or do we obey the authorities of God? Everyone in uh, Romans 13, 1 and 2, everyone must submit to the governing authorities or the civil authorities. For all authority comes from God, and those in position of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. Hebrews 10 24 and 25. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. In Acts 4:19, Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? This was in response to the leaders uh, telling them not to preach Jesus anymore. We reconcile here to do both in this local assembly with the 10, 10 person limit. We we done Zoom and the other, if you remember, we swapped out week to week and the kids met at a, at a separate location. Um, and this is this is why we this is why it's good to have a plurality of leadership to where the men can I guess uh, collect their resources, their knowledge of scripture, and we can sit down and we can or stand as we did and talk about talk about the, the Bible, the knowledge, and then come to a biblical way to to address that. <clears throat> the fourth is hope and trust. We did not look to the world for its approval for our Amen. actions as for our for our following the Bible. We search the scriptures in knowing what to do, not in rebellion to our civic authority. We wasn't doing it in a rebellious right. attitude, but in honoring to our Savior. Romans 15, 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. 
then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Paul goes on to write, I am fully convinced, my dear brothers, in verse 14, my dear brothers and sisters, that you are full of goodness. You know these things so well, you can teach others about them. Even so, I have been bold enough to write about some of these points, knowing that all of you need this reminder. And this, this is why we're here. We're here to remind each other not to get distracted from this world, from the world events that are going on around us. Because we do, we, we do need to be reminded. All of us need that reminder. And that's that's why that's that's why fellowship is so important. That one on one on one or the eye contact or whatever. So we uh, kept reminding each other of who was in charge. I remember many many times, and even up still to this day, we remind each other that God is in charge. He is sovereign. Uh, to look and observe what God is allowing and doing to remind each other of, you know, what is God doing in this? What is he allowing? He may not cause all this, but he allows it. Nothing, nothing happens. He is a sovereign God that he doesn't allow. To look for ways we can use this to spread the gospel and to grow ourselves. What an opportunity that we've had. I mean, I had a, a chance to, witness to a neighbor over here not a religious man he was very you know right off the bat he said i'm not a religious man and i said i'm not either <laughs> i said i have a relationship and i and i said all the events that are taking place you can't you know he said i'm gonna i'm gonna go off the grid you know and all these things he knows i'm kind of off the grid i've got this wood boiler i've got solar panels a lot of these, a lot, of, and he was intrigued by that. And I says, it's not what ourselves is not going to save us. It's God. You know, he, he didn't want to hear that. Often Bible, uh, Bible study card, he didn't want it. I made him take it anyway. I said, give it to somebody else if you don't want it. At least he's got it in his hand. There's ways that we can minister. Uh, I've seen an interesting saying. It says, don't let the noise of this world keep you from hearing the voice of the Lord. And this and this world is very, very noisy right now. I thought that was very, very good. So distraction, fear, unity, and hope or trust. This past year, for me, was experiencing firsthand the importance of face-to-face -face fellowship. Nothing can top that. Nothing can top that. That was that was a big eye-opener to me, how distracted you can be. Uh, which which Zoom is the next best thing for for online like that, but nothing nothing can top this. All right, a year, a year to, to remember. January, uh, we're celebrating with our families last year. We had our, our New Year's New Year's thing. Uh, the 26th, we had our first Bible study planning meeting. 
February 2nd Super Bowl Fellowship at Dave and Diane's. Enjoyed that. Yep. And Aaron's. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just called Aaron's house. <laughs> Sorry about that, Aaron. I didn't mean to leave you out there, brother. The 16th, we done uh, Bible study planning meeting again. The 22nd, uh, we had our bowling fellowship. Do you remember that? That bowling fellowship we had on the 22nd on Saturday. And uh, the 23rd, we had Bruce up here uh, preaching in the evening service. March 8th, we had uh, Kyle speaking via a tape message. And then the 15th, I think both of these were the evenings. Uh, and then the, the following uh, Sunday, we had tape number two on the 15th. The 22nd, again, we had Bruce uh, speaking and uh, live streaming began, I think, on the somewhere around the 22nd. The 29th last year was Big Picture Sunday. And then that's when uh, the ladies began sending out packets. If you remember sending out packets to the kids. Remember we talked about that. We were going to do packets and then have them meet every other week. But uh, we, we ended up sending a couple packets out and then we began meeting every week at the house. So, uh, and then that's when we began and start, starting to divide our church into groups. Half meeting one Sunday, half meeting the other Sunday, and the kids meeting at that, which which worked out perfect. And that and that too was was brought about by uh, by the church. You know what can we do? We we realize the importance of that fellowship. So what can we do? So we've done that. April twelfth, uh, Easter Sunday, we had uh, two messages. If you remember. The 19th, we had our first VBS planning meeting. The 26th, we had uh, the Huntleys via the internet. May 10th, Mother's Day, Bruce preaching in the evening. The 17th, we had another VBS planning meeting. Uh, 24th, Kyle speaking in the morning. And then we had Luke speaking in the afternoon. June 14th, we had our uh, first Bible study. The 21st, Father's Day, and the VBS planning meeting. The 26th and 27th, we had our men's retreat in June. And then, uh, if you remember, the girls all met over at Erica's house, and they had their little outing I guess you'd call it. July 4th uh, we had a church picnic. August we had our, our annual yard sale. The, uh, that was on Saturday. The second we had our VBS set up and dedication. Matter of fact I think that was the only the only VBS that I remember in the area last year that was meeting in person. I, I talked to several people and they were handing out packets. Kids would drive by and they would handle packets. And then I think some of them were doing them online. But we chose to do them in person and 
people were thrilled to death. The parents and all. Yeah, they were. They were. Yeah. Uh, so that was the third through the seventh. Um, and then we started our John MacArthur videos for a month in the evening. We had our uh, the start of our missions month, September uh, 6th. The Gideons were speaking. The 13th, Bruce Woodman. The 20th, the Master's Mission, Paul Carson. The 27th, Jason Beverly. October 4th, Jonathan Peck with Camp Good News. The 11th, we had Miriam Gibb. Uh, we had the 18th. On the 18th, we had our VBS dinner and reflection. The 23rd and the 24th, the ladies had their retreat this past year. November, we had our bountiful harvest. December uh, 6th, we had the youth Christmas play. The 13th was our super Christmas fellowship at uh, Pete and Dory's and the girls. The 20th, we had our candlelight service. The 25th, uh, we had our Zoom meeting Christmas morning. That was a real blessed time. You remember that? We had snow. <laughs> that, I got uh, good weather. Snow. Good weather. <laughs> yeah. The 31st and 31st, we had a Zoom Watch night service. <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> I won't say much more about that. <laughs> That's all y'all need to know. <laughs> but we had a busy year in review. And uh, it was a good year. Aaron, what's, what are you laughing? I said we made it through. Yeah. That's all I can say. We yeah. yeah. We had kind of a, a COVID outbreak, if you remember, from in, in our family. Pete and I had it earlier, and then we got it around Christmas. So it was it was sparse there for a little while. But we still met. The, the church is not, uh, is, the church is, is growing spiritually. We don't see a lot of growth uh, numerically. Right, thank you. Thank you. But we just, I, I see a lot. This, this Bible study is really, Really made me grow. Anytime you study the word, it really makes you. It really makes you go grow. So I would encourage you. All right. That's all I have for, for this past year. Pass, please. Here, let me grab this Leave that up there for Pete. What? <laughs> Well, you know, it's sometimes it's hard to remember that when we get here, we, we know intellectually that this is the church, but sometimes it's hard to get it in our mind that this is God's property and we are his people and we have a mission that comes from him and uh, we want to be faithful to that calling, to that mission. It's really, really important. And uh, so I want to talk just a little bit about, we're talking about the outlook of the future. Uh, biblically speaking, and I want to, uh, as Larry did, open in prayer. And first of all, Larry, I do appreciate very much what you said. It was very good. And uh, just kind of really helps me 
to formulate what we're going to be looking at here. Thank you. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your mercy and your grace and your goodness to us. Thank you for who you are, for the fact that you love us. You've called us, and your plan is to use us for your glory, and that's what we want. Um, and so I ask that that would be the result of this church and the result of what you're doing in this church. We, as we've mentioned several times, tend to evaluate the ministry by the size of the ministry, and yet we have no way of knowing the outreach and the extent and the power of that outreach. Only you know that, and we know that you are a great God. You're able to take insignificant five loaves and two fish and use it for massive, to feed massive crowds. And so we're not wanting to have a great name uh, associated with us or a great headline as much as we want to bring honor and glory to our blessed Savior. And so I pray that you'll do that and make us effective to accomplish your will in this area for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen. Yeah, I was thinking about that as we were talking about all the things with the virus that the Lord has taken this small group here and has structured it in this time, particular time of history with all the virus and other stuff like that, so that we're able to continue to function and to be a lighthouse here in this area in spite of a lot of the barriers, a lot of the distractions, and a lot of the things that exist around us. And so I can see I can see his planning uh, in this before uh, the virus came. I could, could uh, get an idea of it, but as the virus began to come and other things happening, I can see more and more how we're sort of, like my son says sometimes, beneath the radar of what you might call the big press, and yet we're not beneath God's radar. He's working, and uh, he has a purpose in the ministry, and he's, he's uh, on time and on schedule. So I, I uh, in, in looking at these things, would like to direct your attention to 1 Timothy. And in 1 Timothy is a statement that Paul makes to Timothy, and he's writing Timothy, asking him to minister there in Macedonia and stuff. And he goes through some things, and then he kind of concludes in verse 6 of chapter 4. This, this is not going to be the main focal point of my verse, but it's kind of the launching point of what we want to say, or at least what I, I'd like to say, I think the Lord has for us. And that is, he says to Timothy that after giving a number of things, he says, in pointing out these things to the brothers or to the brethren, you will be a good servant of Jesus Christ, constantly nourished on the words of the faith and of the sound doctrine which you have been following. So he's basically, that one statement, he's just telling Timothy that um, the things that you are, I'm asking you to do in doing these things and pointing out these things, you will be a good minister. Uh, it's the word for servant. It has been translated for deacon, but it's not just a deacon, it's a servant. It's a servant of the Lord. And he's telling him, if you're, if you're doing these things and are faithful in these things, you'll be a good servant of Jesus Christ. Uh, you yourself being constantly nourished on the words of the faith and the sound doctrine which you've been following. Don't miss that last point. That's not the main stress, but that is the point here that we're going to be ministering in the name of the Lord. We want ourselves 
to be sound in the doctrine and the words of the faith. And we just need to take that seriously. Uh, I need to take that seriously. And you need to take that seriously. That's really important. But what are the things that he mentions here in pointing out these things? You will, to the brethren, you will be a good servant of Jesus Christ. That's what kind of launched me on this uh, study was that those things that he's talking about. And so you take your Bibles in First Timothy, just turn back, and this is not going to be real long. Uh, turn back to chapter one of First Timothy, where he starts out. Uh, Paul writing to Timothy, talking about staying in Macedonia uh, and remaining on Ephesus down in verse, uh, verse 3. He says um, that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines nor pay attention to myths and endless genealogies which give rise to speculation rather than to furthering the administration of God. The first thing there that he's talking to him about uh, is to stay away from uh, strange doctrines. In other words, um, give a, a uh, give the doctrinal clarity uh, central focus. Be clear with the truth and not be distracted with these distractions. The strange doctrines uh, could be translated different doctrines. Don't be straying away from your focus on strange and different doctrines. And don't be giving heed or paying attention to myths and endless genealogies. Myths uh, is a term there that just speaks of fictitious and uh, fable type of things. In the world, the world takes the Bible and they say that the Bible is a religious book that is filled with myths and it's outdated. It's not scientific. It's not, uh, doesn't bear to scientific scrutiny, so on and so forth. And it's kind of a, a book of mythology when actually the fact is that the bible is the truth and that there are a lot of speculations that people come up with that they hold in high esteem that are actually myths and the bible is telling us here not to stray away from the truth of god and embrace uh, strange or different doctrines or myths or fictitious things endless genealogies things which generate speculation that word speculation could be uh, also translated questions. Um, a lot of things that we can discuss and talk about away from the scriptures and debate back and forth that generate endless questions and debates. Don't detour to that. Stick to the truth that God has given to us. Make that the focus, the main focus of your life. If you're giving over to questions and speculations, uh, then you are not uh, advancing the work and the ministration of God, which is what he's saying there. So this is, this is important that we are to, to guard against doctrinal detours, if you will, to give place to, to um, doctrinal clarity. He goes on to talk about, down in verse 7, uh, about teachers that teach the law. This probably is relating as much as anything to the Jewish teachers, uh, those that are turning aside to fruitless discussions, which is um, debates again and discussions that when he says fruitless, it's just a way of saying that these things uh, do not produce uh, real growth or real help. They, are, they have no real end other than just the, the ability to argue about and debate things. Don't 
don't give in to those things. There are those that want to be teachers of the law, that want to have the position of, and maybe or even accepted by some as teachers, but he said, don't give way to those guys. They do not really teach the truth and they don't really understand what they're, they're talking about. Stick to the truth, stick to the word of God. That's, that's really, really important and uh, make that a priority. He also says, uh, and I'm obviously going really rapidly through this text, but he also says down uh, in verse uh, eight and nine, he says that uh, we know the law is good. If we use it lawfully, realize that the law is not made, the law is, is not made for a righteous person, but for those who are lawless and rebellious, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane. What he's saying there is that the law is a restraint to living in sin and to venturing away from the truth, which is one of the reasons why we want to be faithful with the sound doctrine in the church is because as long as we are sticking with sound doctrine, we are helping to control the behavior of God's people to keep them within the bounds of what is biblically right, biblically sound that uh, fulfills the truth of God. Uh, if we're righteous, then we're okay. But if we are, and all of us, you see, we're carrying around in our own hearts a tendency to sin, a desire to live in the flesh, an ease with which we are detoured. And so it's a good thing to have that law as God's mirror before us to help us continually see ourselves and to see where we are and how we, are, how we might venture off. And so the law is a good restrainer for us in that, and it's important that we have that. And then finally, down in verse 18 and 19, he talks, Paul talks about the, this command, I entrust to you, Timothy, um, to fight the good fight, keeping the faith and a good conscience, which is a reminder in our first point here about doctrinal clarity, that this is a battle, it's a warfare. We've been going over kind of these things in the last several weeks here, uh, talking about false teachers and false prophets and wanting to stick to the truth. We did it also, we were doing it also with Titus, which there is a battle going on. And the battle is not just out there, but when we go home and return on the TV, the battle kind of wants to come into our hearts and our minds and our lives. It wants to influence us. When we go to work, we see the billboards many times, the same thing. Uh, in my case, when I'm at work, sometimes there's people that walk by that they are advertising things that are distractive. And so there's a lot of a lot of things that do that. And so there is a real battle going on, and we just we realize that there is a warfare. And in a warfare, when there's a warfare going on, when there's a fight going on, you put forth extra effort to maintain the truth and to be faithful. That's what the armor of God is: is to stand, having done all to stand, to take a stand. But in that weaponry a lot of it is defensive but there is one weapon there that's an offensive sword sort of a spirit that is used that you can use uh, that's the scriptures that you can use to apply to any situation like jesus did in the temptation in the wilderness and so these are things that the first point here one of the things that i think paul is referring to then when he tells timothy to do these things that you would be a good minister is to maintain a doctrinal clarity and and i think that's in fact, I don't think I know that that is also true here at the church. As we look to the future, 
uh, we want to be sure that we are sticking with the truth of God's word. I frankly am encouraged by the men that, that are teaching and that are growing and I see the things in the lives of them. I really appreciate that. I appreciate the study this morning. My son gave and I'm looking forward to resurrection Sunday next week. Uh, I'm very excited about what God is doing. And, uh, and he's not doing it because of me. He's doing it in spite of me. I, I can identify, I was thinking about this the other day. If I was trying to think of what big, what's the biggest obstacle to the ministry here, it's my heart. It's me. And because I get in the way, I keep wanting to do something that I want to do. You understand what I'm saying? That I, I can easily be distracted and go to this direction or go to that direction or want this or want that. And uh, so I am very, very excited and humble by the mercy and the grace of God and his ability to work in the hearts and the lives of you guys. That's just really very, to me, it's a real challenge. Now let's move over to chapter two. In addition to guarding uh, the clarity or the doctrinal clarity, there is, uh, he talks about it at the beginning there in verse, uh, at the beginning, first of all, I urge you in treaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgivings to be made of all men for kings and all in authority, so on and so forth. Uh, that we can lead a quiet life in all godliness and dignity. He's talking about that we are now living in a culture and we need to impact the culture that we are in. Our lives and our walk with the Lord will have an impact. Pray for the culture, pray for those people. We are in the world, but we're not of the world. And we want to have, have a, uh, an impact. He goes on to say um, that God desires all men to be saved. And that doesn't, that doesn't overlook the fact that it is, is bypassing the elect, is, but it's just telling us that it's not God's desire or joy or pleasure to take men and push them over into the lake of fire. He doesn't enjoy doing that. There are people who are going to perish, but God is, is on our side. If we're in the culture and we're praying for people, we're not praying against God's will. We are, we are praying in perfect harmony with and behalf of that. Just like when we give out these cards, we're not, God is not saying, why did you give him that card? He's not one of the elect or whatever. No, God cares for people. He loves people. And so we want to be in cooperation with that. And so I think, I frequently think, you can think bad of me about this, but there are people that come through the line sometimes that honestly and truly uh, are not, not, not the kind of person that I would choose to go out and and be buddies with or whatever. They're just not. They're just kind of sometimes repulsive or whatever. And many times I'll look at those people and I'll say, but the Lord Jesus loves that person. And that person is somebody that's going to be somewhere forever. And I want to, I want to have a, a, a impact in their hearts and lives. And so I, I try to go out of my way to be friendly, to love them, to laugh at them, put my own on the shoulder or whatever. And I've had real good response to that. People respond, if you care for them, and, and they, they don't think that you're looking down your nose at them, but they, that you really are. They respond to that. And uh, that's and, and they, because they're people. Now, it is true that there are a lot of people that, that don't respond to it, but that's okay. God knows. He knows the heart. Doesn't he? he knows what he's doing. And so we want to impact the culture that we're in. We want to have an impact. And um, we, so we want to pray for the culture. And we also want to pray for our leaders. Uh, he, he talks about those who pray for old men, those that are in authority. We want to do that. And uh, I sometimes the leaders are easier to pray for than others. But the Lord can turn the hearts of the hardest people around. And I've found myself having to discipline myself because I'm praying for the leaders that they might change their political affiliation. That's the wrong reason to pray for somebody. 
Pray for somebody that Jesus Christ will be honored and glorified in their lives. He'll do the job of turning around if they need to be turned around. We don't have to, to do that. God will do that. And But the church is here, and we're in the culture. We want to impact the culture. We want to pray for those leaders that are, that are there, and we want to have an influence in their lives. And I just want to just glance at verse 8. It says, I want all men to pray in, in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. Um, and so he talks about, they talks about women in submission. We know about those things. I'm not going to belabor that, but there is a structure. There is an organizational order within the church that people see when they come in and they see us not in rebellion against the authority of the Lord, but in working in harmony with that for his glory. And, and that is not only true for you, that's true for me. And I have, I honestly have really, the Lord has really been I'm very stubborn sometimes, and he's really been impacting my heart that I I want to work in, I want to prepare your heart so that it is a heart that is fruitful, not a heart that is hard or a heart that is preoccupied with other things. And that is really, really important. That's the way that we become vessels to which God can use us. So the two things that we looked at so far that, that Timothy is being, I think, is being encouraged about. One is being doctrinal clear in the church and second to, to speak of cultural impact having a good impact within the culture and society that we are in then down in chapter three um look at verse 14 um he says i'm writing these things so uh, hoping to come to you before long in case i am delayed i write to you that you will know how one ought to behave or conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. Um, what he's doing here and what I see here is a good thing is that the church uh, needs to understand itself, to know that it is a family, a growing family, that there are, um, that there are peculiarities with this church that are, that it's good to see in times what we call crisis, good to know that. For example, it is nice to know that this is God's property. We, I mentioned at the beginning, it's always encouraging to me to come here and to know that that uh, this is not my, I mean, people say, what, what's the name of your church? And uh, I know what they mean by that, but actually it's not my church, it's his church. It belongs to him, it's his property, and he does care about the sheep and his flock and what's going on. He cares very much. And um, I, I pray about that. Okay, I just pray about the church and for that. And um, and secondly, it's not only uh, his church, but it's it's he's the one that sets the the rules and the parameters among the many things. Uh, he is the shepherd. And I appreciate what you said, Larry, about the COVID, because that is a that is a real that we are called to obey those in authority over us. Uh, in the case of this virus, where now the virus has turned it to, to not be really a, a pandemic anymore, it's just a kind of a, but they're still walking the controls. There comes a time when we have to say, well, I'm sorry, at this point, we're going to have to obey God rather than man, because your, your standard is continually calling us away from obeying the scriptures, and God has called us to obey him. When we understand that the church is his property, when we understand that the word is his word and it's his command to us, and when we can can articulate these things a little bit it makes it easy and we're not in living in fear when we turn and say no i'm going to obey god rather than man that's not a that's not a hard decision to make 
even even if there there are threats of losing our tax status heaven forbid or maybe even persecution of some other serious kind that's okay because god is in charge and we're not we're not going to run from that and so that's a that's important we understand that the bible does tell us that we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together and because we are part of his property we we obey those things and we want to um to be faithful to him the, the very word church is is actually in the greek is telling us that we are a called out people distinct from the world which means that the world uh and you mentioned it this morning larry i think and i think it was very good it means that the, that we are not dependent on the world or the government or society for our success or our calling or our ministry we are a unique fellowship, a unique family. That means that we are members, we love each other, we function together, and we are unique, um, but we are called out of the world. And when a person comes to know Christ and comes to, to join the church, a fellowship with the church, he becomes a member of this family and his allegiance, his allegiance when he comes to Christ is given to Christ. And so we are working together. We have one head and we are the body and we function together. And that's a good thing. Um, and finally, notice what he says down at the bottom, not finally, but near finally. Notice down at the bottom where he says, um, he was revealed in the flesh, was vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among, among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. John says that he thinks that it was taken from an early church. Him, it's very likely it could have been. And there's a lot of profound depth in that. But what I want to get out of that rather than going through and expounding that section is that the church is entrusted with a, a powerful set of theological truths that come to us from the word of God. And they're not really understood just by the physical, mental powers, but rather by the spiritual relationship we have with the Lord as the Holy Spirit takes the word and works into our hearts and helps us understand these things. We're dealing with profound truths eternal truths, truths of the greatness of the mystery of God and his incarnation, his coming and his work. And so we handle uh, what is the scripture says that we carry a, a valuable treasure in an earthen vessel. And that is true. The, the, the message that we carry and the truths that we carry and the things that we talk about glibly, and I, I do, I talk about them sometimes at work where people kind of very uh, glibly and passing by, but those things are very valuable and very precious and very great truths and we we talk about those things and it's true and the church is that is that organization that is the uh, is the founder of god it is the pillar and the ground the pillar and support is the proclamation the thing, the organization the family that's entrusted with protecting proclaiming and preaching god's eternal truth and his word and that's what we are and that's what this is here and so that's that's really important. And then finally, um, in, in beginning in, in chapter four, beginning in verse one, he talks about the spirit explicitly says that in a latter time, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. Paul is still telling Timothy what's going to happen. And Timothy has been faithful to talk about these things. And I think what we see in that, among other things, is that we understand that there is a there is, it's not going to always be going the same way. Things might get a little bit more drab and a little bit more difficult, a little bit more dark. And we need to know our enemy. Uh, we need to take a strong stand 
that knowing that there, it could be kind of difficult, um, the, 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 the battle, the, the doctrines that some of these mystical ideas are coming up with and the struggles and the things that we are confronting with are doctrines that actually originated with demons. There are false teachers and they lie. They lie without a conscience. We've seen that sometimes in politicians, but uh, that can come in to attack the church and it can do things like that. And um, that we can be uh, challenged and confronted perhaps with uh, illogical ideas that are unbiblical and people can, it's, it's amazing how people sometimes can deviate from logic to try to push something in. And so all I'm saying is, and I'm going to stop here at this point, that there are four things that I see out of these verses here that kind of speak to me in regard to the future of the church. One is that we want to be a church that maintains doctrinal clarity, speaking clearly of the doctrine not to be detoured. Also a church, a fellowship that impacts the community, uh, both in prayer as well as in godly living and involved in doing things to help people, recognizing that we are in a warfare and a battle. And then also a church that is uh, understanding itself, it's growing um, in the relationship we have with each other and in trying to, to reach out to impact the culture around us. And then also that we stand strong against the enemy because the enemy is, is very real. And he's, he's really working to, to do damage. And uh, this, this time with this virus, it's, it, I agree with Larry, it's very difficult. It, I feel like in one sense, and it sounds kind of weird, but I feel like I'm in a dream, that it's hard to bring this down into reality, except I know it's real. And uh, I know that these things take place and that they're going on and I can see the games uh, being canceled. I can see restaurants, people sitting outside and hear all these things. I watch Fox News all the time. And so I can see, hear these things that are going on. And I know that these things are real, but sometimes it's hard to formulate that into the one from being a something like you see on TV into the real world that we're in now. But it is. But the church is is the point of God's sphere to impact the culture and the world. We are the place where his power is being exposed and unleashed to the world. And, and we are the the voice that he uses to speak to those around us is the church, and we want to be faithful to that. I don't know what's going to happen this next year, but the church is not different from what it was last year or the year before that. And it, it has the same Lord, and we have the same mission. We are to make disciples, which means we are to teach the truth so that men can grow in it, men and women. And uh, it's, it's a good calling. It's a powerful calling, and it's the only calling that's going to last forever. And so it's very important. So let me just close in prayer. And then uh, I think you want to come out. Dear Father, thank you for uh, your mercy to me, to us, and your goodness to us. Thank you with, with the things that are coming and going, passing, like my knees, for example, which something has come real quick and it's really made a, a pretty heavy, uh, immediate impact on my life. Those kinds of things, the virus and other things, as well as the slower things that have happened, like the passing of my wife, which took a long time to happen. Not that it was that I was wanting it to happen quickly or anything, but these we are in a world that the things change, and yet there are things that don't change, and you've given those things to us, and we are absolutely secure in your mercy and your grace and your love. I thank you for that. I really thank you so much for that.
And I pray that you'll help me and help us to live in the real world with the real truth and to be involved in the real mission to bring glory to the real Savior because that's what's going to last forever. Help us to do that. And thank you for your mercy and your grace. And I pray in Jesus' name.